You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Today we're looking at an interesting one, which is Christianity in our finances. All of us deal with finances, right? Whether you love them or hate them, you've got them. Uh, you, you, you have to work with it. You, we all have resources that God puts in our, in our path. And uh, we need to, to have, as we start looking at God, what, what is God's plan when it comes to money? Uh, I'm not focused so much today about giving as I am focused upon what God's plan is, is how we steward what he has given. And so as we start in this journey this morning of just looking in God's word, we're going to understand, we're going to have to look at it from the right perspective. And, and there's three truths that, um, help us to have the right perspective. And the first one, and I shared this about a year ago, is that God owns everything. Okay, so when we start talking about money, and you might put your hand on your wallet saying, that's my money. Actually, do you know what? God owns everything. Psalm 22, 1-2 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I want you to say everything. Everything. Do you know what? If it's in your bank account, it still belongs to God. If it's in your home, it's still God's. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. It is his. And so we live in a place that is not our own. This is not ours. Earth, The earth is not ours. You know, well, how can that be? Well, you own nothing. That's the second truth. So God owns everything. You own nothing. Ecclesiastes 5.15 says, Naked a man comes into uh, comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He can take nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. You know, you enter this world with nothing, and you leave this world with nothing. Nothing you will possess for eternity in this physical realm. You own nothing. Isn't that a release? Yeah, we don't own anything. It's all God's. And, and you know, I heard this great kind of story, you know, kind of an illustration of this is, it's kind of like saying you've won a shopping trip, uh, all expense paid shopping trip to Churchill Square in, in Brighton. And you've got one and a half hours to fill your cart with whatever you want and get it out to your car. And once you get it out to your car, it's yours. Fantastic, right? The store is, is at your fingertips. But before you get to the car, you have a heart attack and die. Well, actually, you didn't own anything, right? There's a little snapshot about our lives. We're here, and sometimes we can spend a lot of effort trying to accumulate something, but at the end of it, we die. And we just give a big donation to someone else. All our money, all our resources, all our nice houses, everything that we possibly could have, you know, will live on beyond you, but just in someone else's hand. It just passes from person to person. You don't possess anything. We steward it, but we don't possess it. And so the third thing, the third undeniable truth about our resources is that we simply steward what God has entrusted to us. And, and as a steward, what he's looking for us is faithfulness to fulfill what his plan is with that resource. It sets us free from having to worry and strive because actually he owns it all. And we are simply journeying through this world at this time we might have a certain allotted years in our lives, but you know, at the end of the day, we take nothing with us beyond the grave. And even the talents of the servants, and we looked at it, I know about a year ago, 
Matthew 25 talks about the talents and given to different people. And when he came back, you know, there was a, there was a, there was this call as to what they did with it. And it's from this understanding that we own nothing and that God owns everything that we can then start to look at, well, how does God want us to live with it? How does God want us to steward it? How does God want us to live with the finances and the resources that he's imparted to our lives? We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. And here's... A very interesting passage of scripture. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have watered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The very first thing, the very first verse there is godliness with contentment is great gain. I believe one of the first principles that God has in how we live with the resources that he imparts to our lives is contentment. Do you know, I've discovered for myself that contentment is an ongoing battle. We think and we have those little niggly thoughts that if I only had that, I would be a bit more happy. How many of you ever had that? You walk into a shop and you think, if I only had that, that dress, my life would be fulfilled. Now, I don't have that thought. But as women, you might have that thought. Let's not get mistaken here. If I only had the bigger home or if I, if I had a bit more money... If I had more savings, if I had nicer clothes, if I had a nicer car, then, the, then I would be happy. But contentment can be defined this way. A perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. I'll read it again. A perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. God wants us to live in the perfect condition of life. Where actually we don't need anything Because we are content with what God has already given. Now I think for all of us, we have two dangers when it comes to resources or finance or stuff. And both dangers lead to many griefs that we we hear about, we read about in this scripture. And one is that we spend more than than we have to get the things that we think will make us happy. We spend more money than we've already got because we just think, if I can only have that bit of it, I, 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 will, I will then be happy. And the problem is we become enslaved to credit cards and we become enslaved to bank loans. We become enslaved to other things. One of the interesting things about CAP and, and especially the, the, the debt process that they, they, they try to help people get released from debt. Why? Because debt has this way of just strangleholding our lives. God has come to set us free. Right? Free in our spirit realm, but also free financially. Every time that we owe money to someone, we're indebted to them. We are slaves to them because we need to pay it back. And the problem is, is that when we live life where we need to have stuff in order to feel happy on the inside, the problem is, is that we get the thing and then your neighbor drives up in something better than what you've got. 
Or someone shows up with something even nicer and suddenly what was once that fleeting joy of, yes, I've made it, suddenly becomes, oh, I've got to keep working at it. I, I need to get that now. I find myself, there's certain things, not everything touches me in this way, but there's certain things that I, I, I like to have, but I don't need to have it. And the problem is, is that when those things become the most important thing that we work and strive for, it leads us to many griefs in the end. Because at the end of the day, it's only God that can be that all-sustaining source in our lives. Stuff can never do it. And so we, again, we live in a culture, and especially in a world where, where, where credit is at our fingertips. Payday loans are there. And I, I tell you what, it's shocking the interest that you can pay. You buy something and you pay for it five or ten times over by the time you actually end up paying for it. Why? Because we, we feel we need it. We need the instant gratification for something. But at the end, we feel we, we, we're left more empty than when we started. More indebted, more, more filled with worry and anxiety. The other extreme of it is we work hard to save up wealth. So one danger is spending, the other danger is saving. Now, saving in itself is not wrong, and we'll get to that in a minute, but it's when we, we, we can't part with it, when we can't give it, when we can't share it, when it's all about me and all about this, this fortune I need to, to possess. If I'm, if I don't have a million, it's gotta be two million. I want to get, it's gotta be three million. There's, there's never an end to this kind of desire to have more. All the while forgetting that it doesn't belong to us anyways. When we die, we give this big donation to someone. All the wealth that we've accumulated actually means nothing in eternity. I mean, that's why Jesus says, store up your treasure in heaven. Don't store it here because, you know, the moths will come and eat it away and rust will destroy it. And so there's these two extremes with how we deal with our money. Now, Contentment is the only cure to this unrelenting desire for more. Whether more stuff or more money, contentment is the only thing that silences that deep drive in our lives that everything else becomes secondary. Contentment is a choice. I believe it. We can be content. You and I can be content, can't we? But contentment also stems from God. And if you turn over a few pages to Philippians chapter 4. Now Paul lived this very interesting life. To be honest, I would not want to have lived his life. You read what he went through and it wasn't very nice. But anyways, he writes this about contentment. And if we read verses 11 to 13, it says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every, in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now I know we do sing that. And we're going to sing it later even. Amazingly enough. We can do everything through him who gives you strength. But you know what that passage is talking about? It's contentment. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Why? Because He can help me satisfy the deeper longings of my heart. I can be content. I can have the fullness of life because God is my all-sufficiency. 
He's the one who can give me strength to be content. And how do we know we're content? Because the fruit of contentfulness, or con- to be content, is, is thankfulness. Someone who's content with life, whether to have much or to have little, is someone who's often very thankful about what they've got. I catch myself, now that summer's here and there's lots of beautiful motorbikes on the streets. I was down in Brighton yesterday and they all kind of go to the seafront and I was there as well with mine. And uh, there's this sense that you feel the nicer, newer models, the shinier chrome, the, you know, there would be, life would be so much greater. And then I believe it's the word of the Holy Spirit in my, my own heart that says, you know what? At least you have a bike. At least you've got something. You know, and it's just a reminder. Yeah, okay, thank you, God. I still have a bike. Now, I know that's not usually probably the problem most of you have when it comes to motorbikes, but it might be other things. And sometimes it's coming back to the reminder of God, thank you for what I have. Yes, I don't have that. But I have this. I have my family. I've got other things. I was reminded of this thankfulness or being content when, when Daniela and I went to Albania. And again, I haven't seen poverty to this level for a long time. And just as we sat in these homes, and I just thought, God, it's just hard. You know, I live in a mansion. Three families living in a room. Living in a kind of a shack. And you think, God... I, I, I'm sorry for every time I thought I didn't have quite enough. When people are living far below where I'm at. You see, contentment can come much easier when we understand even what we have doesn't belong to us anyways. It's kind of like when you're driving in someone else's car. It's fairly easy to be content because it's not yours. Right? When you're in someone else's home, it's, it's easy to be content because it's not yours. But you know, if we can live life thinking, well, I'm driving this car, but it's not mine. It's actually God's anyways. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it looks like so long as it runs. Our all-sufficiency can only be found in God. He's the only one who can give us the strength also to really be content no matter our circumstances. Whether we have little or we have lot. Paul says this. And sometimes we think, yeah, but I can only be content once everything's okay in my life. No, Paul says, even when I'm hungry, I can be content. I can be all, I can find that fullness of life even at that moment when I don't have everything met at that moment. I can say, do you know what? It's okay. God, you're my provider. I'm content. I tell you what, it's a battle. And what I'm sharing today is not just something uh, I say to you, I say it to myself. Because there's this, this churning in all of us, I believe, to always strive for more. When God says, I, I want you just to be content. That's how you live with my resources. You are just content with what you have. Now, the moving forward on this thought of being content, does that mean we don't plan for the future? Well, of course not. We do plan for the future. God calls us to be wise stewards. And to be a wise steward doesn't mean we just don't forget that there is tomorrow. There is wise thinking about how we plan for tomorrow, for the coming days. And even in Proverbs chapter 6, 
And I hope this doesn't sound contradictory to what I'm saying. But there's a balance to what drives our lives to also just being wise stewardship. Okay? When we talk about planning for the future, it isn't about a drive, driving force of our lives that we just have to have it or, or we won't be happy. But planning for the future is actually, it's being a wise, it's thinking about the future. And so Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8 says this, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. None of us are sluggards, but we could take it as an example. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. The passage goes on. I'll read it just for fun. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Will you, uh, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands uh, to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. What's the point of the, the passage is that actually the ant prepares for the winter. Why is it preparing? Because it's, it's moving forward. It's planning. It doesn't have a commander. It, it isn't, isn't like... Uh, is consumed with it, but there's a, God has put this instinct into the ant that prepares for the future. And the same thing for us. It's wise to prepare for the future. To have the attitude of the heart that actually, I don't know what lies ahead, but I, I, I want to make sure I have the resources for that. I, I'm a firm believer in putting away a bit of money, if possible, for the future. You don't know what tomorrow holds. But if we only live for today in the sense of we spend everything we got just foolishly, I don't think it's being a wise steward of what God gives us. Resources do open doors. Even for you. God wants us to maximize everything he gives us so that we prepare for the future. We, and we use what he's given us for today. And so we prepare for the future. But we also, uh, the, the third the third principle that we see in scriptures we also hold what we do have with open hands when God gives us resources and trusts something to you you are not the benefactor of that money or resource alone but he gives it so that you can also bless others and you can give into the kingdom of God and so he he wants us to live in a place of contentment he wants us to be wise stewards and not just spend foolishly everything that we get into our pocketbook but to be planning and and saving what we can because when the moment comes when God says I now want you to give something you've got something to give because he didn't just spend it all yesterday on whatever but you've you've put some money aside you've you've prepared it that actually if God were to say to you I want you to give something I, w- I want you to do something that's going to require resource you've got resource and sometimes it's, we, we have a temptation to always look to other people to have the money, but actually God gives all of us things that we can have. And it's up to us to steward it well, so actually when the time comes where there's need, we've got something to work with. I mean, even in Joseph's situation, when, when the land of plenty of Egypt, when seven years of, of good things, was it wrong that they stored that? No, because there was going to be a famine coming, and they needed to prepare for that. But when the time came where they needed to start giving, they gave. And God gives us, I believe, seasons where, yes, we have resources coming in, but we need to be wise in those moments. We don't say, yeah, we'll buy the nicer car, we'll get the bigger house. Well, well wait a minute. What, does, what is the, your journey that God is leading you on to? What's next? 
And maybe it's wiser that you just keep those resources in a, in a, in a way that will release you to, to be generous or to give or to, to be part of something that you otherwise would never have been able to be a part of if you had no resources. God blesses so we can be a blessing. And if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says this, it says, Chapter 9, verses 10 to 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us be generous, your generosity results in thanksgiving to God. He, he wants to enlarge your harvest of righteousness, but he also, he's able to give you seed to sow. But it isn't just seed to sit in the barn. Are you catching this? There's, there's this balance. We, we, we steward what we've got, but we also hold it with open hands saying, okay, God, you've, you've blessed me with, I've got some money in the bank account now. God, it's, it's yours. It's still yours. Do you want me to sow it? Do you want me to give it? Do you want me to just hold on to it for the future? I keep holding it with this, like this. God, it's yours. I don't have white knuckles holding on to it. I hold on to it with open hands saying, God, whatever I've got here, it's yours. I'll continue to steward what I've got until you say otherwise. Until you say give. Until you say release. Until whatever. But I will continue to maximize what I've got for resources so that whenever your voice is there, I'm ready. And I believe that's God's heart for us is that we're ready so that we can be generous on every occasion. Why? Because he's given us something to work with. Now it is a foolishness for us to, uh, to use up the resources so that we can't give those moments that he calls us to give. The fourth principle though, in all of this as well, is trusting God for your provision. I, I think there's this understanding that needs to be also implanted in our heads that Our money does not come from our workplace. Our money and our resources come from God. And He's using your employment as the means. But God is the provision. Always. Your company that you work for, whoever you work for, is not your provider. God is your provider. And we need to live in a place of trusting Him for everything that we need. And again, whether we have lot or we have little, we, we don't need to, to worry or we don't need to fret because God has got it all in control when we trust in Him. And so even Jesus talks about this aspect of not worrying. And so on one side, we can be striving for it. The other side of it, when we have nothing, we can be worrying for it. And there's this place of contentment knowing that God will look after all that I have need of. And you can be a place of not worrying, not fretting, not striving. You can be content, thankful, and at peace because God is going to look after you. And that's how we, how it works. In Matthew chapter six, there's this whole passage of scripture that talks about not worrying, but we'll just jump to the bottom. It says, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly father knows what you, uh, that you need them. 
But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now again, just to bring the balance, it isn't about not planning for tomorrow. It says don't worry about tomorrow. Okay? So it isn't saying, God isn't saying just live in the moment and spend whatever you've got. It is preparing for tomorrow, but it's not worrying about tomorrow. Oh, but what if the economy crashes? What if this? What if that? You know what? God will take care of you. We take one day at a time. We trust Him. We, if you got food on the table today, fantastic. That's all you need. If you got clothes on your back today, which you all do, thank you, Jesus. If you got a, a, a roof over your, of your, of your head, if you, if you, if you got the, the basics, you're, you're surviving. Sometimes I, I find myself getting caught up into this trap of, but in three years, the kids will be doing this, and then there's going to be university, and then, it's like, well, you know, we're not there yet. I, I can't worry about tomorrow. I need to just look at today. God loves you and has everything in control. We are to chase after Him. And not after the stuff. He will take care of you when you trust in Him. And He calls us to not worry. Our security can never be found in what we steward. Can I say that? Again, our security should and can never be found in what we steward. But in the owner of everything. Sometimes we, we find our security, our false sense of security, because of whatever our bank account looks like or because of whatever we have. But actually, our security is in the owner of all of that, which is God. He is the one who has everything. I was just talking to someone from Canada, from our hometown yesterday. And uh, as you well know, oil prices have dropped Although it doesn't, isn't reflected as much here as it is in Canada. Do you know in Canada, sorry, side, side note, petrol prices, 40p a liter. It's highway robbery here. No. 40p a liter. I was just shocked. Anyways, the point being is that our, the, the economy in the town that I grew up is highly um, dependent upon the oil. Uh, it's oil production. It's an area that... Uh, Loss of oil production. Well, what's happening now is that a lot of people are starting to lose their homes. A lot of people, you know, they're, they're living large. And they were dependent upon the black stuff coming out of the ground. Instead of dependent upon God. And they lived large. But when the large stops, their dependency upon their employers, instead of being wise stewards, a lot of people are finding themselves now from living in these massive houses to having to downsize, having to be content with a lot less because the money just isn't there. And it was just a reminder to me again that actually we need to trust God. Our, our security is not found in the economy. Our security is not found in what the world is doing around us. But it's found again only in Christ Jesus. It's, he is our provider. He is the rock in which we stand. He is the one that we can trust with everything. And we don't need to worry about tomorrow because he holds it in his hands. Just coming to a close. How we use and live with the resources God has placed in our lives reflects our heart and where our treasure really is. And I think to me, it's always a reminder to me of what I steward and where my treasure is, is really reflected 
in, in how I, I treat the things around me, the tangible things in my lives, in my life, my money, my car, my resources that God has stewarded, put in my life. Is that my treasure or is God my treasure? Am I able to hold this with open hands before him? God is challenging us this morning to be content in his all-sufficiency. To make it our goal that, you know what, I'm going to choose this day to be content with my life. I'm going to stop striving. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to stop fretting about everything. I'm going to choose to be content with what God has put in my life right now. I'm going to choose that. I believe that's a goal that we can have. That tomorrow morning, Friday morning, whatever your circumstances, when you look at that thing in your house, you think that sofa really needs to be replaced. You know what? If you don't have the finances, then say, God, at least I have a sofa. At least I'll be content with this. I've got somewhere to sit. I, you know, I, I'm going to choose to not live beyond my means. I'm going to choose to hold on to things. I just want to be content. And if God blesses with resource, then so be it. But I'm not chasing after it. Make wise decisions with how you prepare for the future. Do you know what? I do believe uh, uh, God gives us things, gives us moments, gives us years of prosperity to prepare us for what he has in store for our future. Let's be wise with how he gives, with what we do with the resources we have. If you've got extra money at the end of the month, don't just go spend it. But save it for an opportune moment when God says, okay, now I want you to use that resource for this. To be ready for that. I want to be someone that when the opportunities come to do something for God, I've got the resources in hand to do it. And I'm not just looking for someone else to help the situation go on. But I'm part of the answer. Be looking for opportunities to give, to sow, to bless. God has given you resources to bless others. And then finally, just I, I, I challenge you to place your complete trust in God for everything you need. And the byproduct of that in our lives is complete peace and contentment. To just live in a place of trust. God has practical thoughts when it comes to our resources, our money, our things. And it isn't for us to, to strive after those things. But can I encourage you to seek first his kingdom. Seek first him. Make that be your treasure. But everything else then needs to line up to that. God has something for you. But it requires you to steward well what you've got. And just closing thought, just before we move to England, we had, uh, the Assemblies of God had uh, said that we could have a, some money to help start the church in Brighton, which we were really excited about. And uh, about three months before we were to travel here, uh, they were going to support us for the first couple of years, which is great. Um, we got an email saying, oh, by the way, that money is not available anymore. Um, we can't use it for that because it was from a trust, from a sale of a building, and it can only be used for the purchase of another building. And I don't, we'd already quit the church. We'd already, you know, we were selling our house. I mean, it, it was all on, in motion. And I remember f- starting to fret worry about the future we're about to move our whole family across the world and we got nothing no support but what we did have was we had our some of our own savings we had been saving and god says what is in your hand have i not given you 
resources. And I just remember this. I was dependent upon the AOG. I was dependent upon something else. But he's like, I want you to trust me. But I've also given you something in hand, in your own hands, that will start you off. And I, thinking back, had we just lived for the moment all along up to that point, we would have not been able to come here. We would have not been able to go to the next step because it was because we were preparing for the future that God has something to work with in our own lives that could enable us to go forward. And so I just want to encourage you, even if you think, I don't know what this bit of money in my savings account is for. You know, don't hold on to it tightly, but steward it. Because God, if you're open, if, if you are dedicating everything you've got to God, you know, He will lead you in how you use a resource. Maybe it is preparing for your older years of life. That's completely fine. But it's holding on to it and being willing to let go of it when God says, now's the time. Does that make sense? We're going to sing a great song which says, through you, I can do anything. And you know, I want us to sing this song with this whole aspect, this whole proclamation that God, through you, I'm going to live with contentment. Can we think of that song? Can we sing this song with this, through you, I can do anything? Do you know what, God, through you, I'm going to live with contentment in my life. Why don't you stand with me, please? We're going to just close in prayer as the the band gets ready. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people, in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news, or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.